Today's episode of The Rewatchables is brought to you by Vudu. It is a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy and over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad-supported on-demand service. Enjoy everything from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films without subscriptions or contracts. Movies like Falling Down, District, cool. District 9, Poetic Justice, Little Giants for the Kids. Oh, yeah. My son likes little, little giants. Head to voodoo.com slash rewatchables to sign up and start watching today. That is com slash rewatchables. Coming up, I'd be proud to partake in your pecan pie. <laughs> pecan pie. When Harry met Sally, it's next. You tell her about other women. Yeah. Like the other night. I made love to this woman. And it was so incredible. I took her to a place that wasn't human. She actually meowed. You made a woman meow? It's challenging. (laughs) I'm difficult. I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off. But in a good way. And I'm gonna be 40. (laughs) When? (laughs) Someday. In eight years. It's not the same for men. Charlie Chaplin had babies when he was 73. Yeah, but he was too old to pick them up. All right, we've been circling this for a while. We have a real reason to be doing this. 30th anniversary coming up. I'm older than you. I remember seeing this in the movie. Julia Lippmann and Amanda Dobbins. I remember seeing this in the theater. Which one? Uh... I think I was in Vermont. Nice. Great state. Yeah. In the summer. Yeah. Lovely time of year to be in Vermont. I'm going to start here. Okay. I think this is one of the most influential movies of the last 50 years. Agree. Okay. Yeah. I was going to make a list. So there's influential, like there's the influential Godfather, Taxi Driver, Blade Runner, like where like look, styles, innovation. But then there's like mainstream in- influential where there's like a clear demarcation before, like before and after a movie comes out. So I made a little list, like Jaws, 1975. Mm -hmm. That comes out, all of a sudden it's like, oh, the summer movie. And then that's a thing. Rocky, 1976. Oh, the sports movie Underdog. And then that people just make that movie 100 times. Halloween, 1978, horror movies start. 48 Hours, 1982, the buddy cop movie. Oh, we'll put these two together. They don't totally belong. Fatal Attraction, 1987. Mm. Dot, dot, dot from hell. Then they just make that. They're still making that movie. Die Hard, 1988, hero trapped in a circumstance has to get out. And then 1989, When Harry Met Sally. Two friends. Do they belong together? We don't know. This created the rom-com, right, Juliet? 100%. I mean, there there were some other movies, but this is the modern rom-com era. This is like year zero for the rom-com. Because Goldie Hawn made some rom-coms that were like pre-rom-coms. Sure. Seems like old times is a rom-com. Yeah. But it's we didn't know it was a rom-com yet. It was just a movie. And I think Woody Allen, too. You have to include yes. as well. Oh. I mean, those those are on the list. And we should also just say that in the 30s and the 40s, like there were a lot of original rom-coms that count. And some of them are very good. I know you don't like to do old-time movies. Sabrina, but- does that count as a rom-com? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great, great movie. So maybe this is like the kind of pseudo-formulaic rom-com becomes a thing? No, I think what Juliet said, it's the modern rom-com because they made them kind of like in old Hollywood and then you would have your Woody Allen or your Goldie Hawn, your occasional, but like, 1989, when Harry Met Sally, is when people realize, okay, 
these movies make money, these movies, people will go see them, and it starts 30 years of the romantic comedies. And Julia had seen all of them. (laughs) I've seen this movie at least 500 times. Um, You really think 500 times? because I'm like a crazy insomniac. and It's one of the best movies to watch in the middle of the night because it's a crisp 90 minutes. It's quiet. There's no, like, the only time it's noisy is when she's um, honking the car in the beginning. So it's a great soundtrack for trying to fall back asleep. Yeah. It's just like the the Harry Connick Jr. music is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But what I was going to say is also the Sally character is like the archetype for so many other rom-com heroines. Works in media, kind of like is a little picky, is like way prettier than anything else in the movie would ever lead you to believe. Like Sally is so foundational that I, I think that is like part of why this movie is like starts a new era. I remember when this came out, it took some shit for the Woody Allen connections. And basically this, they just remade Annie Hall and made like a dumber version of it was uh, the big, was the big criticism. I yeah. don't agree with it. I didn't know that Woody Allen owned set pieces. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Like Woody Allen used New York in two straight movies. So that means nobody else could use New York, the most famous city in the world. It's right. ridiculous. Also people being chatty, wasn't aware that he owned that. And you know, Meg Ryan with like the quirky, attractive dresses distinctively kind of but like the diane keaton roles are really different to me than than the the, i like how defensive you guys are about this i would like this is just one of the most important movies ever this was a this was a real criticism though and they're most famously by the new york times which really dismissed this movie completely and totally well you know everybody gets stuff wrong once in a while the new york times called it a woody allen wannabe who's who is writing this was somebody i hadn't heard of it, it was it was not like one of their OG people. Okay. It said uh, it cited the opening credits with white letters on a black background, scenes that are infatuated with Manhattan. Great city. What's it not to be infatuated with? And dialogue obsessed with love, sex, and death. I mean, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, we're on those the corners. The three most important parts of life. Sure. Yeah that that review has not aged well. But like critically, all of Harry's narcissism is like is kind of part of the movie, whereas in like acknowledged and is baked into that dialogue. But that is not in such a different way than a Woody Allen movie. I I don't know. I mean, I see like the similarities, but like you can evolve past a, a, a first this descendant. Is a, she's descendant. so it's the no, maddest I've I ever seen her. her. I'm pissed. <laughs> and I like Manhattan and I like Annie Hall, but like I actually love Manhattan. I'm, I don't know if you're allowed to say that anymore, but I do. And but I just don't think it's fair. Yeah, this is also a two hander. And the, the yeah. Woody Allen movies are ultimately about the Woody Allen stand in. True, and they are written from that perspective. And this is pretty equal between Harry and Sally. That's fair. Yeah, I think uh, you know. Obviously, over the next thirty years, this became one of the go to movies where. In your own life, if you have some friend of the opposite sex and you have this moment where you're like, am I in love with this person? This is the best case scenario for how that would turn out. It was interesting. I was almost 20 when this movie came out. And it did make me kind of reevaluate a couple of people I had in my life where you kind of leave and you're in this like happy romantic mood. And you're like, yeah, maybe I should give that so-and-so a second chance. I have a and question. usually it's a bad idea. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Because this movie, like, I can't remember a time when I hadn't seen it. So it's very hard for me to, like, evaluate relationships without knowing about When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. But, like, was it novel for you? Like, the the sort of its points and about men and women and, like, their friendships? Was it, like, mind-blowing? Yeah. It was hugely influential and definitely made you take a step back and reevaluate what was going on in your life. And I I don't feel like there was— 
So Secret Admirer came out, I'm going to say in like 1985, which had a kind of similar plot. See, Thomas Howell was in love with Kelly Preston and was best friends with Lori Laughlin, ironically now, Mm -hmm. considering all the things that's happened with Lori Laughlin, and then realizes about an hour in that he's in love with her and tries to get her back. And there's even a chase scene at the end where he's racing to go save her from going on this trip. And that that was like that, but that didn't make me like question people in my life. Yeah, this this is a, did this is the thing where it's not unre- it's not unrequited, like where one person's been pining for the other. It's two friends who don't realize they're in love, and I feel or like, kind of, sort of, sometimes, occasionally, a little bit realize it, but then don't right, act but on don't want to deal with it. Yeah, but I I do think that this is pretty new in movie history, this like I arrangement. I, I was like Googling and couldn't find any, I couldn't remember anything major. And it that does become a trope like in movies and TV, even now. Yeah, It also had, Billy Crystal had not been in a movie like this. And I had been a fan of his from the mid seventies. He was on Soap, which was a great right. show. He was on SNL and then actually joined the cast for a year and crushed it. He was in, he was in the comic relief stuff. And then, oh, he was in the movie with Gregory Hines where they were cops, which was a great movie. I can't remember. Running Scared. But he hadn't really like been in a movie like this. So it was like instantly like, oh, that's weird. He's in a movie where he's in love with his friend. And then Meg Ryan was basically the really cute blonde from Top Gun and Inner Space. But mm-hmm. she wasn't Meg Ryan yet. I, know, I think this was like her first major movie. Rob Reiner had had some more, had, had a couple hits, but. Wasn't so he was still the guy from All in the Family who had directed a couple movies, right? And then I had no idea who Nora Ephron was. Yeah. Um, but now you look back and you're like, wow, that's also, a that's a powerhouse. Uh, it was funny to see her only get an associate producer credit on this movie, whereas I feel like now if you have the right agent and you're writing the screenplay, like you get a way better credit in addition to but Nora Ephron. Yeah. <laughs> Because she got associate producer, like roles second, but in terms of like pay scale and credit, like only getting an associate producer, I was like, that's fucked up, man. That's not, that's not happening in 2019. I think we turned the floor to Amanda to talk about one of her favorite people of all time, Nora Ephron. Nora Ephron? Yeah. I'm, thank you so much. I watched this movie <laughs> I plan to do this night. later, oh but let's do it now. <laughs> no, it's, um, I rewatched this movie for the, maybe not 500th, but at least 100th time last night. I also can't really remember when I not having seen this movie. Though I like must have come to it I was too young to see it in theaters. Yeah, I mean, same. There's two movies to me that it's are like yeah. you guys grew up with this movie yeah. whereas I didn't. Yeah. And, and like the world that Nora Ephron created with this and Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail is kind of something that I inherited all at once. But now you guys are 13 and yeah. you have some some male friend and you're like is this my hair? But yeah. you know what's interesting? My best friend's wedding comes out around the time that I'm I think I was 12 or 13 when my best friend's wedding comes out. And so in terms of like the friend of the opposite sex that you don't really know and yeah. modeling your modeling that relationship on a movie, I think my best friend's wedding was more formative to me just like when I saw it. I don't know. Maybe also just because of the friends that were in my life at that time. I sidetracked you with Nora Ephron. Yeah. Um, I, after watching last night, I went and reread Heartburn just because that's like really important yes. to me. Um, I literally, there was a reading from Heartburn in my wedding, which is fine. My, I'm, we are still married despite that move, that novel being about divorce. Uh, I think that she has shaped as a writer, like my mind and the things that I watch and the things I read more than probably any other writer. Mm. And just terms of the, and I think really entire generation of internet in terms of the conversational reference, the chattiness, but still hyper literary 
And, you know, she's also a person who is interested in homes, one of our major interests, and and cooking and all of the, the pleasures of life as much as the ideas. There's also, like, a, a real, like, gender equity to the way she portrays relationships where, like, it takes two. It's not, like, his for, his fault or mm-hmm. her fault. It's not just one person pursuing the other. Like, even, even in Sleepless in Seattle, like, they're, those characters are, like, you know— they're both flawed and like that movie is like probably even like way lower stakes than this one. But she like just approaches a relationship that's like this is really on two people. It's not just one. It's not just the other. And that's like also kind of novel, particularly in rom-coms. Yes. And I think she's basically the first woman writing romantic comedies. Like Not the yeah, first, probably. obviously, but kind of like the big influential. And so you do really start to see, as Julia pointed out, um, they are equal and then it starts a trend of rom-coms being about the female character because, like, Sally is so foundational. And then the rom-coms of the 90s and especially the 2000s, you think of Sandra Bullock and Kate Hudson and all of those romantic comedies that are about... The, from the perspective of the woman. and The that's CEO sort of, of the company who can't find a Exactly, which, which Nora Ephron would never do. She's smarter than that. Totally. But she, you know, she understands that work and love can go together, but it starts with her elevating the female perspective. I like how, first of all, she's great at friendships where she can introduce friendships and they immediately make sense as people that have been friends for 30 years. I mean, one of the key scenes in this movie is she has the lunch with Carrie Fisher and mm-hmm. the other friend. And in like four minutes, she just sets up the, all the characters perfectly. That's not and true. Then it goes, the clock does not start ticking until 36. <laughs> right. And then it goes right to Bruno Kirby and Billy Crystal at the baseball game. And it just nails them within two minutes. I have them down. And then it's just like, I just want to hang out with both mm-hmm. groups, which is really hard to do. I didn't feel like even in Sleepless in Seattle, Tom Hanks, who was his buddy in that movie? Um, Victor, what's his face? He's married to Rita Wilson. I can't remember his last name. It's, uh, I'm pulling it up. Keep going. No, it was the guy with Tom Hanks. Yeah, I know. Oh, and they had that fake Rob, moment. Rob Reiner? Or, oh, Rob, it was Rob Reiner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rob Reiner. That's well, and they had that fake thing where they kind of start crying and it was like, this just isn't the way two guys no, would hang out. It's Victor Garber, who's married to Rita Wilson in the movie. Right, Rob right. Reiner's his friend who's telling him about tiramisu and he's like, what's tiramisu? And he's like, you'll find out and, they, and everything. But Victor Garber, they're in his house and they're joking about an affair to remember and making fun of her for loving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they get all emotional and it just didn't feel right. Every Bruno Kirby, Billy Crystal scene I'm totally in on like two guys going to batting the practice batting being dumbasses. Amazing. The batting cage, all that Great stuff. Scene. And then the Carrie Fisher in this is one of the, uh, the Deanne Waiters award. We, we mm-hmm. might as well just spoil it now. Yeah. She's so good in this so movie. So good. And had the whole Princess Leia thing still. Amazing. Because the three Star Wars movies, the last one was like 1982, 83. Right. And this was, I wasn't quite ready to think of her as not Princess Leia. And then she became this person She's as much so as good. Princess Leia. The friend so. getting into the cab is just like such like so familiar of like the friend is like, sorry, I'm going. And you're just like, and you can't even be mad at them for it. You're just like, yeah, good for you. What does she say when um when when she says Joe is single and she says Joe's available? Like she's immediately like so <laughs> selfish. Like yeah, she's she's literally the going out. through the cards one by one. So the uh history of this movie. Rob Reiner is getting divorced and is becoming single again and decides this should be a movie. He's friends with Nora Ephron. She interviews him, which provides kind of the basis for what Harry's going to be. Then she bases Sally on herself and some of her friends. Crystal comes in, spruces it up, does Billy Crystal things, makes the movie funnier. And then Ephron, which is, 
I never knew this until I researched this. She based Harry and Sally around Reiner and Crystal and their friendship. That's really And some sweet. of the stuff they did, including she found out that they would just talk on the phone and watch television. <laughs> and they would flip channels and she decided to have Harry and Sally be that. So that's how they made the movie. But um, that's a pretty good powerhouse. And Reiner, Reiner's first 10 years are pretty astounding. Because after this, he does Misery and then he does uh, A Few Good Men. I mean, he's. Just, you said a few good men, and I got excited. Right. Yes, <laughs> we've already done that one. But he had a really nice twelve-year run. I mean, it, this was—he was meathead from all in the family to everybody, and then became this awesome director. He's amazing. I mean, he's just like an all-time great. I, I don't know. I'm biased, but like, I love Rob Reiner. Well, you know, the worst thing to happen to him. What? He starts Castle Rock, and they buy mm-hmm. Seinfeld, and he becomes like a cajillionaire. Yeah. So he's just. And like, then I'm at good. that point, it's like you can't be a good director when you're that rich. Is worth billions of dollars, literally. Uh, this movie made $92.8 million. Wow. It was against a really strong summer of Batman, Ghostbusters 2, License to Kill, and Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. Wow. They were afraid when they released it. So they did like, they put it out in a couple markets and mm-hmm. tried to grow it word of mouth and it worked. Yeah, but it and, still works. More movies should do that. Yeah. Uh, Efron got nominated for Best Screenplay. Harry Connick won a Grammy. The music's amazing. It is. I love the music. 90 on Rotten Tomatoes. Roger Ebert called Rob Reiner one of Hollywood's very best directors of comedy. Great. Said what makes it special, apart from the Efron screenplay, is the chemistry between Crystal and Ryan. Um, One more thing. This is one of the last films that completed the VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, streaming quadfecta. Really? Where if you love this movie, you've owned them in all four formats. (laughs) I have it downloaded on my phone to watch it at all times. Oh, the, the streaming? Yeah. yeah. I bought it from Apple like years ago. Do you queue it up to a specific scene or you pick up where no, you left off? pick up where I left okay. off. Yeah. Go back to the beginning. What's your, we're going to do most rewatchable scene in a second. What's your favorite stretch for this movie? Because I have um, a specific stretch. Probably from after they say, so look, we're going to be friends when they're walking in Central Park up until the first party. I really like that first the establishing of their friendship. And then, yeah, like can get more into it later. Amanda? I was going to say the same thing. From the bookstore, basically the end of the bookstore, which is right before they go walking in Central Park, through the establishing of their adult friendship. That's my favorite part as well. Yeah. Because I was trying to figure out, this was really hard for rewatchable scenes because there's like 15. Particularly because the scenes are so defined. Yeah, and there's like, and some of them are two minutes long, but I still feel like they're incredibly rewatchable. So I was trying to... uh, that's the uh, bookstore of my childhood, Shakespeare and Company on 80th and Broadway. Yeah, we haven't even done the Upper West Side <laughs> aspect of this for you. <laughs> B- Billy Crystal, thoughts before we get into the categories? Like just a testament to how perfect the movie is that you take him seriously as like a heartthrob. I agree with that. I, th- I mean, yes, that's true. <laughs> I don't think he's a heartthrob outside of this movie. He he only exists to me in this movie. I know he's, I know, I remember him hosting the Oscars and doing the English Patient airplane, and I know he had a whole career before that, but this is, this movie is Billy Crystal to me. I have to say, I love City Slickers. I just love. City Slickers is great. It hasn't, I don't know, it's not on TV I'm that not much. I'm trying to diminish the rest of his career. <laughs> I'm just saying that this is the foundational Billy Crystal test formatted out. He's also really good in Running Scared, which is like the lost buddy cop movie of the 80s. I love Billy Crystal. He's one of my all-time favorites. And this movie kind of figured him out the best, I felt like. This is like all the things he does well in mm-hmm. one movie. Even like when he sings Surrey of the Fringe on Top. So and good. And he does like the body posture <laughs> yeah. of the, 
you know, like all of a sudden he's a Broadway play. It's just like him physically is really good in this movie. And in the batting cages, you're like, is Billy Crystal a good athlete? Yeah, he ba- he's, he was in Battle Network Stars <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> he's good. I think he dusted David Letterman. Um, all right, we're going to do the categories. Let's take a quick break. Support for today's show comes from MSX by Michael Strahan, which is available exclusively at JCPenney. Raise your game with MSX by Michael Strahan, which is athletic-inspired, functional pieces designed for guys who are always on the go. The line was created to be versatile for working out or playing golf or just relaxing. It's athletic-inspired and still functional. It includes basics, pants, shorts, shirts, sweatshirts, and outerwear, available in big and tall and boy sizes, too. MSX by Michael Strahan also sports high-tech features like no-chafe seams, wonderful, UV protection, safe, quick-dry stretch technology, and much more. Their performance-enhanced designs are built to go everywhere you go. MSX by Michael Strahan is available exclusively at JCPenney. Visit a store near you or go to jcp.com and explore Michael's lifestyle content on michaelstrahan.com. All right, most rewatchable scene. There's just a lot to pick from. So they meet in 1977. Mm-hmm. And then there's four short scenes with them in 1977. The car ride, two separate parts at the first dinner they have, and then the second part of the car ride. I, I thought the grape spitting is kind of the best of those only because we're learning who he is. And he's just like, in two minutes, you have him figured out. But I'm also partial to anything that happens in the diner. Yeah, I was gonna say the ice, the pie, the chef salad slash pie ordering with a strawberry. If you know, unless the pie is heated, blah the blah. The sex blah. stuff, Sheldon the Wonder Schlong. The days Sheldon of the week underwear, so good. Yeah. So how come you broke up with Sheldon? How do you know we broke up? Because if you didn't break up, you wouldn't be here with me. You'd be off with Sheldon the Wonder Schlong. Yeah. So funny. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but it's we can't do two from that. I, I like um of that stretch. My favorite part is when he talks about how he reads the last page of a book in case he dies. So that's the second car ride. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't even know what the answer is. So we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll just list all of those all scenes. Right. Next one is uh, Harry and Sally in the Plane in 1982, mm-hmm. which has three crucial moments that immediately infiltrated pop culture. One was his incredibly important taking someone to the airport. Yes. Incredibly important. Yes. A month. How did you know that? You take someone to the airport, it's clearly the beginning of a relationship. That's why I have never taken anyone to the airport at the beginning of a relationship. Why? Because eventually things move on and you don't take someone to the airport. And I never wanted anyone to say to me, how come you never take me to the airport anymore? Which has been in my head ever since. (laughs) I do not pick up my wife from the airport. I never have. I was like, if you truly love me, you get a cab. There's nothing worse than picking up somebody from the airport. But then when you actually do it, it really carries so much more weight. It's Mm -hmm. like, I know how much you hate this. You did this. The white man's overbite. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how influential that was. Well, it's wonderful. It's nice to see you embracing life in this manner. Yeah, plus, you know, you just get to a certain point where you get tired of the whole thing. What whole thing? The whole life of a single guy thing. You meet someone, you have the safe lunch, you decide you like each other enough to move on to dinner. You go dancing, you do the white man's overbite. Go back to her place, you have sex, and the minute you're finished, you know what goes through your mind? How long do I have to lie here and hold her before I can get up and go home? Because immediately you're at a wedding dancing and you're making sure you're not doing it. It, affa- it affected 30 years of white men dancing at weddings. <laughs> I Also women. I, I And also this movie invented that concept. Did it invent that concept? Yes. Because it's something where I learned it. Okay. Shannon or Efron. What a funny, yeah. perceptive thing. So funny. That might have been a crystal stand-up comedy 
stealing from okay, like yeah. a stand-up comedy. I don't know who came up Shout with that. Shout out to the movie. Shout out to whoever came exactly. up with that. Incredibly influential. And then the uh, somewhere between 30 seconds and all night is your problem. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're thinking. Is that true? Sure. All men think that. How long do you like to be held afterwards? All night, right? See, that's the problem. Somewhere between 30 seconds and all night is your problem. I don't have a problem. Yeah, you do. She's like, I don't have a problem. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, And then the guy asking to move, which I thought was funny. The the whole scene is is really good. It's also really... uh just amplified by her amazing, like the the neck or, or like the tie she's wearing, which is just so ugly mm-hmm. and so perfect for the moment. It's fantastic. This also leads to a Bill Simmons movie fetish that I almost feel like doing a dramatic pause because I know you're going to love this so much. Okay. Because you know my love for celebrity real estate. Yes. And just weird, stupid things like that. I like seeing old airplanes in movies. Mm. <laughs> I'm always excited. Like in Midnight Run, they have this awesome two-deck airplane and just like how airplanes have changed and how what they are now, they're just so boring. They all look the same. But there was this run yeah. of cool airplanes for 20 years in movies. I did think about how spacious it looked and yes. how calm they it looked all so seemed. happy, didn't it? It wasn't like a harrowing experience no. for them. They were just on the airplane. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There you go. The uh, aforementioned combo of Carrie Fisher's first scene. Yeah. Leading into the Bruno Kirby's first scene at the, at the ball game. I'm lumping those two together. To me, that is one... Long scene, if that's okay. It's bending the rules a little. Sure. You're right with that? Yeah, sure. I made my own list, and you and I are just like three for, th- we're just- Three for three. Yeah, okay. it's very exciting. Now I'm nervous. So right. I hope the street keeps going. I'm throwing a right now. Okay. Fourth one, the museum scene. Temple of Dendor. Pecan pie. Yeah. There's apparently in the research, she, he keeps saying it, and she laughs and looks to her right, and Rob Reiner's telling her to keep going, which is why she jumps back into the scene. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I like how it's shot. It's got a couple of good wide shots with the window and like fall in New York. Yeah. Does a nice job of pretending New York is happening during the fall for the entire movie somehow or winter, like one of those two seasons. Um, I really like that scene. Oh, yeah. When mm-hmm. he tells- That's one of those scenes where like, just can you, why, why wouldn't you guys start dating at this point? Right. Come yeah, on. Yeah, it's the first moment where he's like taken aback that she has a date. And he yeah. also and te- she's nervous to tell him. And then he like pulls the real dick guy move of being like, wear a skirt. You wish you wear skirts more often. It's like a perfect well, scene. You think that was a dick guy move? See, I thought that was really nice no, that he said rude. that to her. I think really? He got in her head? I just feel like yeah, he's just trying to like tell her she looks bad and how to like look better for her date. I thought he and, like, was trying to be supportive date. and didn't know how else to express it. The funny thing is she I does I feel like that was badly. a compliment. Oh, wow. Incorrect. <laughs> She's so great. The clothes are amazing. And they're also yes. on trend. Fight, even fight, now. Fight. I, they, I think do agree I can't believe trend. that you defended Julia Roberts' clothes in Notting Hill. And now you're telling me that Sally Albright and when Harry met Sally dresses poorly. Wait, Juliet, too much neck stuff I'm happening. so upset. Wait, Can I defend Julia for happening? a second? Yeah. I think she's conflating Meg Ryan's bizarre hairdos in this movie with the outfits. I mean, the hair is just something else. It, the hair is something else. The clothes the are great. super Jewish. That's... Varied. We'll talk about it later. I would say it's very late eighties, more than anything. Sure, it's also Does like frizzy hair. At some point, eighty-eight to ninety-three yeah, is just full, a horror show. By the time they have sex, her curls are way, yeah. way fuller. Yes. She's moved way. Well, she has like the feathered hair, then the wavy hair, then curly hair. I had that in what stage the worst because it actually made my wife gasp out loud last night yeah. when she answers the door and she's crying. She's this, like, "Oh no!" The sexy <laughs> hair is noticeably bad. That was when I was like, "Is this a perm?" And then when they go to the dinner next yeah. night, it's back to like kind of wavy, messy situation. It's, yeah, it's quite bad. It is weird. It's it's okay. basically Marsha Clark studied it and was like, I'm going to use that oh, for the no. OJ trial. 
That's what like how bad the perm was. Not even courtesy laugh from you. I was just, I was, you you uh, just say you went immediately. Oh no, for Marcia Clark. I, well, then I was leave Marcia Clark alone by Amanda it's like, Dobbins. It's like shorter. I mean, do leave Marcia Clark alone. There was a whole TV show about that, but also it's much shorter. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for everyone. My next scene, mm-hmm. most rewatchable: the double date in the mm-hmm. aftermath. Oh yeah, really Jimmy good. Breslin. Well, he's only the reason I became a writer. <laughs> And just it's going, so just good. going so bad, and then leads to the cab scene, them hopping in. It's just really, really well written and awesome. Great look for New York Magazine to this mm-hmm. day. Also, a classic move when you like somebody else and you try to set one of your friends up with them, and it's just never. It's, it's never gone well ever. Have it's you never ever gone done well. That? What set someone up with someone you like, or with, you don't realize you like? Uh, have you ever set up friends and then gone on the date with them? No. Have you done this? Never. Okay. I, that's good. I think that's normal. I've never done it either. It seems very unnatural. It was a good idea for the movie, though. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. It's Great. like, yeah, it's yeah. one of the most rewatchable scenes. Next one. Surrey with a fringe on top at Sharper Image. Yes. Leading to the wagon wheel coffee table. I need a ruling whether those are two separate scenes. Oh, separate, yeah. Different locations. So those are two separate scenes. Oh, yeah. separate scenes, same day. All yeah. right. So we'll go first. We'll do uh, Sharper Image. Okay. Surrey with a fringe on top. From Oklahoma. Here's the lyrics right here. Surrey with a fringe on top. Yes, perfect. Ooh. Chicks and ducks and geese better scurry when I take you out in my surrey. When I take you out in my surrey with the fringe on top. Now you watch that fringe and see. That's a good, like, just Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal being super That's likable really together. Great. She's amazing in that scene where she keeps singing and is being awkward and while he's, like, locked in on Helen. Right. Really funny. Love it. I've always liked the actress who played Helen. I never understood why she didn't become a bigger star. Harley she, Jane Kozak. I feel like she I looks— she was one of the better-looking late 80s, early 90s actresses. I feel like she got market-corrected by Natasha McElhone. I was going to—I was wondering if it was Kelly Preston. Mm-hmm. Somebody market-corrected her. I don't know. Or she had a bad agent. Um, the casting of Ira, I thought was yeah. like just perfect. I don't know why that was so insulting that that was the guy. Cause he's like, and his name was Ira. Sh- also his name being Ira is perfect. Cause at the end when he's like, and then you find yourself in sharper image singing story with a friend on top in front of Ira. <laughs> yeah. And you really need the Ira yell. Yeah. I just can't hold it in. The fact that neither Sally nor Harry or anyone in this movie is explicitly Jewish is so <laughs> ridiculous. There's an Ira. It's by Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron. Like it's just, it's an upper West Side movie. It's so weird. It's so weird. But see, I thought Billy Crystal was Jewish in this movie, yeah, so, so he's I, not. I don't know. I, I don't just assume him and Jess were both Jewish. I don't think so. It's just need weird. a Jewish ruling. <laughs> I just how do we find out? There's a Christmas tree, but no menorah. There's two Christmas trees. Is Rob Reiner Jewish? Yes. I think, and Harry Harry's got to be Jewish. I don't know. So, but Harry burns, so it, leaves it ambiguous. Know, yeah, but it could have been changed to Ellis Island. You have no idea. I have another question. Is Billy Crystal Jewish? I think he is. So Sh- then Harry, but why can't Harry Burns be Jewish? I just think it's just weird. I what, just, like, but what are you looking for in terms of like added Jewishness? Yeah, how like, do we know a, he's not a Jewish? A reference to a Jewish holiday. Or okay. Some, like some sort of right. explicit Jewish reference. All the old couples talking about how they met, the ones that live in the tenement in the Lower East Side. I was just like, it's just the weirdest part of the movie. Maybe it just goes unspoken. It's just like, you just notice it, but it's just a weird thing. Do you think they were afraid of making Harry too Jewish or playing that up because of the Woody Allen overtones? Maybe. That's a good point. They might have just steered clear. Sure. Make him seem distinct. Sure. 
That would have been a good, probably unanswerable question. Was Harry is, Burns is Jewish? Harry, yeah. Maybe he's half. <laughs> he might be. Maybe it was his mom's side, and that was it. Meg Ryan definitely was. No, she. Has I don't a, know how that character she's was. She's wearing a Christmas tree. Yeah. I know, but yeah. I don't know how that how they decided she was. She was not going to be Jewish. Uh, maybe it's supposed to be a shit. Nora Ephron does like having Christmas in her movies, so it's true. I is think Nora Ephron Jewish? I believe she. Yeah, is. I believe so. Well, the next scene, the wagon wheel coffee table, Mm -hmm. which is a tour de force. We started out like this, Ellen and I. We had blank walls. We hung things. We picked out tiles together. Then you know what happens? Six years later, you find yourself singing Surrey with a fringe on top in front of Ira. You want me to do it? Amanda did it. I'll save it for later. I don't want (laughs) to. It's too close to when Amanda did it. That whole scene is awesome. I also kind of like the coffee table. I think I might have had it when I was in high school. I don't like it either. Also, another great Carrie Fisher performance when she turns him and says, I will never want the table. Yeah, really Um, good. Where do you stand on their apartment? There's some pretty nice shots of it. There's a, there's a den. There's a balcony. I I mean, I pretty, pretty great. I like the apartment. We have to talk about the real estate reality index in this movie more generally, because I also have some thoughts about Harry's apartment. That's a Hollywood given though. The the apartment's always going to be three times better. Yeah, but I feel like this movie really influences what comes in rom-coms at least. Oh, with the over the top yeah. apartments? Yeah yeah, 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 you're probably right. Yeah. Harry's windows are just the I most incredible like, windows I've ever seen. <laughs> well, and Jess, what does Carrie Fisher's character do? Mm, just dates married men. No, we, we know. We don't know. No. Jess is a like a writer. A writer. Like how big of a writer yeah. could he have been? In the eighties. writing for New York magazine. Right. I think that's a pretty like in the eighties that like gets you further than it does now. He said he has a book, so he could have yeah. had like a Jay McInerney type of totally. hit book. But I feel like, I also feel like they would have mentioned that. That scene's great. And then uh last rewatchable until unless you want to count the ending, the they hooked up. The phone on the call. phone. Split yeah. screen phone call. A really great one. No one I know would call at this that's hour. So awful. I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last I night. I went over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing. To make and a then long story short, we, we did, did it. it. They did it. That's great, Sally. We've been praying for it. They said they had to shoot 61 times. Oh, my God. Mm. Three phones, three locations, and they did all of it together. So if anyone screwed up, they had to redo it. Wow, that seems extremely stressful. And then Carrie Fisher said on the 54th time, they did everything right. Everybody hung up, and then they were finishing it, and Bruno Kirby flubbed his last line, and they had to redo the whole thing again. Don't they have better editing? I don't know if they had the better editing in 1989. (laughs) That seems really good. Do we throw the ending in here for most rewatchable? I feel like we do, right? I have some problems with the ending, but we'll get to them. Oh, no. Yeah. It's really good. So I notice, and I agree with you, but I think we should talk about the fact that I'll have what she's having is not in this list. We're going to get to it. I know, but it's not on the most rewatchable list, which is, it. I think it is probably the single most iconic moment in this movie. Yeah. Do you yes. remember, remember in um, the 90s, I think it was at AMC theaters when they showed like the two minute montage before the movie started and it was like the, the apex of that montage or whatever. Yeah. It like it, I feel like that like almost like killed it. Went too mainstream. I watching it last night. I wrote down this is actually not rewatchable. It is. It's too long. It's that's, long and that's why it's I wasn't on my list. Uncomfortable. I mean, it's still one of the great movie scenes of all time. Please don't misunderstand. But it is. I was like, okay, this is quite long. I get. I get the point. Hold that thought because okay. it's coming up. Wow. Yeah. It might be coming up in a category called What's Age the Worst? Well, oh, Bill. No, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I'm going right. to make the case. Okay. What's your most rewatchable scene, Juliet? This Def- is tough. You've seen this movie the most out of any movie ever. Um, 
No, I've seen you've got mail more. Um, I really don't sleep. Um, <laughs> I choose the Temple of Dendor scene when he's up in the Met when he when she says she's going on the date, the pecan pie scene. Oh, the museum. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wasn't it's, expecting that. It's so beautifully shot. It like captures the essence of how they feel about each other. There's like good tension in it. And I just love it. Amanda? I choose the first diner scene. Oh. Going from the ordering the chef salad all the way through Sheldon and the underpants. It's Sheldon the Wonderschlong. It's Sheldon the Wonderschlong. <laughs> I mean, it, it sets the tone of the entire movie. It, like eight great jokes in it that I think about regularly. It's really and I, well written. Yeah. And I just like watching two people talk. I'm choosing the wagon wheel coffee mm, table okay. scene because six years later, you find yourself singing Sir in the fridge top in front of Ira. <laughs> <laughs> um, what stage is the best? There's quite a few. Yeah, so, I have a whole long list. I don't okay, know how, great. Long, how many I'm Why allowed you to start? present. No, it's your, your show. You start. No, it's our show. Okay. Um, well, the obvious ones are the script, which yeah. is just in terms of basic screenwriting and also Nora Ephron is a voice and romance. So they comedies. sold it as a book be- and I know that because I have it and I don't think it's for sale anymore. Well, okay. I'll be buying wow. that. Good um, to know. But it's really fun to read. Yeah. It's just like really clean. I I don't think we can, I mean, I had 96 minutes as a one of the what's age the best. Like there's not like a minute wasted in this movie. You yeah. could say like, all right, we could have four old couples instead of six or something like that. But from an actual, like, all the people in the movie, there's no wasted, mm-hmm. there's no wasted stretch. Everything is like, it's like a filet mignon. I think if they made this movie now, it's like 111 minutes. And yeah. there's probably a whole section in the middle that just sucks about well, their job yeah. or something. And also way more like, will they or won't they, I think. is kind of, That's sort of been like overwrought in the there, intervening years. And there's a villain. I, I think that's another thing that's what saves the best for me is there's no villain in this yeah. movie. They make rom-coms now. There's always a villain. Like, uh, the asshole you know, boyfriend. Sally's right? boss. Joe would be a much huger asshole. And, you know. They, she'd have a fight with Carrie Fisher. They'd have some kind of falling out. It's a, there's always somebody who's causing trouble. In this movie, there's nobody. It's the all of the tension comes from the two people in their relationship. What else do you have? Well, to that, that's a neat segue. Just the friends who get together concept, which this started and is still yeah. in movies and in our lives all the time. Um so that just, you know, the foresight, I guess, that really invented it. Um, the the Harry Connick Jr. soundtrack. So good. It's so good. It's beautiful. And it made him, if you're doing like a, like a fantasy draft of just young celebrities in 1989, Oof. you would have assumed he was going to have be like a Zion type musician. He's just wonderful. Because he was super handsome. So Every girl I knew was like, handsome. I love mm-hmm. that guy. Then yeah. he married Joe Goodacre. It was like, of course. Like, and she was, you know, Hope amazing floats. in 1994 and 95. But yeah, it was, and he had the New Orleans accent. And uh, Total babe. Yeah. And that was really, like, that was an album that people bought. Yeah. That and was it, a thing in co- when I was in college. Like, people had that album. And I do feel like particularly on romantic comedies, the soundtracks always really date them. You know, they, that does not age well because pop music of a certain time or it, it it can be too frothy or it just kind of feels old and this feels classic. I agree. It actually, I had that in another one for what stage the best. Like, other than phones, this mm-hmm. really doesn't feel like a dated movie. No. Yeah. I, w- I was kind of shocked by that. I was expecting to see, like, oh, that, that would never happen now. And there really isn't a lot yeah. of that. 
I think somebody quoting a magazine piece at a double date dinner is probably unrealistic now because nobody reads. You would have to be like, I tweeted that. I think, that, I, mean, I think that concept has aged really well, though. Restaurants are people in the 80s. What oh, yeah. Theater was people in the 60s. Restaurants are still that way. Yeah, that is true. Um, I have for what's aged the best. The the All the Sally hairstyles, I actually kind of enjoy the different okay. phases. My wife and I decided the, the 1989 range, right before the perm, whatever that hair was before, sure. it was a really nice Nice look. The way the, the kind of like big loose waves. I, yeah, I like that as well. Yeah, it goes well with the blazers. It was strong. Meg Ryan's ordering is really funny, and is another one that really became influential yes. over the next thirty yeah. years. Because if somebody was ordering like that at dinner, you'd be like, "What are you trying to be when Harry met Sally?" It was, it was, that was ten years of that. Totally. It's also like in in uh, anticipating like the gluten intolerance, yeah. like Dietary I need preferences. I need this, yeah. and not that, yeah. and everything. I lived after college. I lived with uh, two girls, one of whom was named Courtney, who used to eat really weird and would have like yogurt with stuff. And we would just make fun of her all the time. And now it's how everybody eats. Courtney, way ahead of your time. <laughs> Harry's joke about winning the Knicks, their first championship <laughs> since 1973, <laughs> has aged wonderfully really because well. it seemed like a long time in 1989 right. that they hadn't won a title in 16 years. Now add another 30 on Harry. Poor Harry. Joe's available. I mentioned that one. That slaughtered me. It was just really oh, yeah, under the radar. Her so reaction funny. that Jimmy Breslin. Well, he's the reason I became aware of that. It's not important. I had the whole the whole we should have never slept together moment, which has happened, I think, to just about everybody. That one person that you hooked up with and you just shouldn't have. But and it definitely did ruin the friendship and it was never the same. Yeah, like it sure. does. Yeah. It does hit that oh, yeah, yes. really hard in the movie, yeah. which I like. I feel like in general. The way this movie talks about sex has aged really, really well yeah. because, like, sexual politics have in many ways changed in 30 years. Yes. And, like, especially comedies can kind of often don't age as well. You kind of say things that are no longer appropriate or whatever. But this is, like, very frank and direct and all of the lessons still apply. And it's not gross. Yeah. And— Mostly not offensive. Yeah. I th- it's, got, it's really good. Also, I think highlights, like, different expectations really well. Yeah. Men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. No man can be friends with a woman he finds attractive. That's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You only think you do. You're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge? No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. They do not. Do too. They do not. Do too. How do you know? Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. I like that he just declared this as a thing that was true, but then amended it. <laughs> like yeah. five years later, it was like, unless they're both with each other, and then it's fine. There's an but exception to that. That whole thing, yeah. I, I just like when characters like that who have these declarations and try to stick with them. Mm-hmm. And then I had Nora Ephron, and so what's yes. the best? Just like I don't even know who her successor is. Probably isn't one, right? One of a kind. Yeah, no, prototype. No, not for me. There's no one. What else do you have other than New York? New York in October. Just always. I mean, it's always like goes that saying. So nice. The foliage was so good. So beautiful. Anything else, Amanda? Yes, I've got a couple. Okay, I like all the old movie references. Yeah, the Casablanca bit, which I feel like Casablanca. Super rewatchable. Yes. Great movie. Extremely rewatchable, but I feel like I learned to rewatch Casablanca from this movie. Mm. 
I, you know, I mean, Casablanca is one of the greatest movies of all time. It doesn't need the help of When Harry Met Sally, but I do feel like it. This movie steered a new generation towards it. Yeah, and also like a learned behavior of watching movies a bunch of times and arguing about them. Like, I, I probably saw this in age. I was like, oh, that's what cool people do. And now here we are on a podcast doing it. But you know, it has it, this. This movie has a lot of reference for those older movies. You sent us deleted scenes. Yeah, there and, was one yeah, good one. I just felt want like. you to know, I refuse to watch them. Absolutely not. No, there okay. was one that was worth it. No. Okay. Well, it, there's they have like an extra interview, like old couple that they um, that they cut that they cut, and it. But the in that interview is a reference to it happened one night, which mm-hmm. is like the original old school romantic comedy. And there's like some, I think, like pillow talk references in this. Like this movie actually is aware of its movie history in kind of yeah. a cool way, which I think. It, you know, now that it is also a part of movie history, it's like, all right, that was a nerdy thing. Whatever. Um, well, but the thing is, Casablanca came out like 45, yeah, 46 yeah, yeah. years before this movie. So now if somebody was doing today's version of that movie, they would probably be referencing this movie a couple 80s movies. That's a great yeah. idea. Or Kramer versus Kramer. Or it would be like that 79 to 89 range. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have two more things. Yeah. Uh, I feel that this movie opened up the dialogue about faking orgasms mm. in a way that's been mm. productive to both sexes and to the sexual experience of all people. Sure. So thank you to when Harry met Sally. Clute, I think, introduced <laughs> it originally. 1970 <laughs> Jane Fonda. Okay, fair enough. And then it was just kind of dormant for a while. And then when Harry there met Sally, re- reignited like- it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. People are a lot more comfortable talking about that as a result. Certainly I women's do think magazines it's like, it's like a given that, yeah. that women do it as a result of this yes, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, it's important. So you like putting doubt in all generations of men <laughs> yes. that it no, might be happening we're having a, a conversation. You and I are having okay, a conversation. Just, just, just clarifying. Yeah. And then I also feel like the he's never going to leave her bit. Also great relationship advice embedded in this movie. Like Definitely. 20 years before, he's just not that into you. Yeah. You have, he's never going to leave her. Very practical, realist advice. That would be a good title for the movie. He's never going to leave yeah. her. I have a new category just for this one. Oh, just exciting. for this pod. Wow. It's a special new category. It's deliberately uh, created just because it's going to slightly confuse Amanda, but she'll get it. Oh, sports? Yeah, it's, there's a sports wrinkle. Best movie related fantasy football team name from this movie. Oh. Oh, but I know, I know what yeah, this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, Here are the nominees. Okay. Baby Fishmouth. Okay. Yeah. Sheldon the Wonderschlong. Don't fuck with Mr. Zero. I spy a family. Pecan pie. Buenos dias, Senor Cleaver. Sphinxy. Miss Hospitals Corners or Christmas Grovel. I mean, it's Sheldon the Wonder Song. If I understand fantasy, For a fantasy sports team? correctly, <laughs> I, I was thinking it was Don't Fuck with Mr. Zero would be the funniest. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, those two. I like the Sheldon one though. Sheldon the Wonder I mean, like My okay. understanding of fantasy sports is that that would definitely be. Julia, one. any opinions? I Julia goes like, with Baby Fishmouth. I like Miss Hospital Corners because I, I like that yeah, moment that in that fight a lot. Okay. Well, there you go. The point of that category is just like so many like stupid little phrases you would never use in real mm-hmm. life come out of this movie that I could just throw at you at any point. You would know exactly what I was talking about. Yes. I don't remember that many movies like that. No. Like baby fish mouth is just completely logical and makes no sense. But if I said that to my wife, she would start laughing. And there's 10 things like that in this. The, her just like drawing the arrows over and over again <laughs> is really funny and also so accurate to like how that would happen and when you're just like don't know what to do. You know, we should have at least put that in what stage the it's, best. It is great. Yeah. Uh, that that scene's just really funny. Mm-hmm. And then I think they ad lib probably most of yeah, it. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. What stage the worst? 
fake orgasm scene. I think only because the shock value of it is gone. And now it's like, all right, now it's, too long. it's too long. It is long. You almost need, it almost needs like a little fast forward button. And like everyone knows that's Rob Reiner's mom. Like it's just so played out. Yeah. Like, okay. Great wow. last I, line though. Sure. It's, I, I mean, I agree that it's not hugely rewatchable, but that's just the most iconic it is. moment yeah. in we're the get, movie. We're, we're, we're allowing it. Yeah. Okay. But not that rewatchable. I mean, okay, now that's it, fine. Now that it hasn't uh, aged well. I actually remember, because I saw in a sold out theater, the line when she says, I'll have what she's having, which became, I think, one of the most famous mm-hmm. lines mm-hmm. in comedy. It's kind of like the original, that's what she said. Yeah, it got such a big laugh that if you watch the movie, the next scene is they have to go like Winter Wonderland with a wide shot in New York. And yeah. there's no dialogue for like 10 seconds. Because I think in the screenings, people were laughing for yeah. like eight, nine seconds. One of my, They had to like kill time. One of my closest um, childhood friends, there's like a— a story of him as a kid. I think they took him very young to see this movie. So he, he was like maybe five or six and didn't understand what the faking an orgasm scene meant. But everyone was like laughing hysterically. So he understood that it was funny. And so they went out to dinner later. And then like my five-year-old friend started doing like the Meg Ryan oh my God, oh no. thing like in a restaurant <laughs> just because he wanted everyone else to laugh. And Jesus. because he knew that it got a laugh in the That's theater. That's really cute. And, yeah. And, and really upsetting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And now he's directing porn. Um, <laughs> one cool thing about that scene, Crystal, it's like a group effort. Crystal said, we need something for Sally to talk about because the movie was skewing a little far toward Harry, like his little rants. Nora said, what about faking an orgasm? They went down that road and then Meg said, why don't I do it in a restaurant? So it's three people. Collaboration. Yeah, Love there you that. Go. Meg Ryan's perm in the crying scene for What's Age the Worst. Very it's bad. really an iconically bad haircut. Really I just bad. can't believe it happened. She's got to be mortified. Sally has an aerobics class in mm-hmm. this that's like an old school aerobics class where everybody has way too much clothes on. I thought I'm it throwing was a that in What's Age the Worst. Whatever thought, was going on. What was dancing. that? Is it a tap dancing class? Yeah. It just felt very 1989. It definitely to me. feels 1989. But uh, look, it kind of seems like, like. If I saw a video of you in a class like that right mm-hmm. now, I'd be like, what is going on <laughs> what without are you doing? You know, I can't tap dance. You know, I'm a trained tap dancer. I took, when I was younger, I really? took a lot of. Yeah. We won't, we can do that later. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Oh, you guys are so adorable. <laughs> Two people falling in love with Casablanca. Yes. I wrote that down for what stage the worst. Why? Because nobody would do that anymore. That movie's a hundred years oh, old. Oh, you just mean it's like outdated. Yeah, it's aged age badly. Well, it's aged beautifully, but also badly. Because okay. if I'm a thirteen-year-old kid, I'd be like, "What's Casablanca? What is this movie?" You wouldn't know what it was. Do thirteen-year-olds really not know what Casablanca is? No chance. My daughter, no chance. We could Facetime her right now. She would have no uh, idea. What should it we is. show it to her? It's really good. Casablanca. Yeah, yeah. it's a great movie. Maybe she for the next four reelsies, she could watch yeah, it. That'd be amazing. Yeah. All right. Um, sharper image being prominently displayed yeah. in the movie. Just incredible. Great I stuff. love the sharper image. Me too. I spent so much time at the Lennox Mall sharper image growing up. Wanted everything there. I don't think, Craig, what are your thoughts on sharper image? I don't know a lot about sharper yeah, image. See, yeah, see, let's age the worst. So weird. You, you would go there and have gadgets where. Isn't that like a, what's the one now that, is it Bridgestone? Brokestone. Yeah, yeah. Brokestone. Or yeah, Brookstone. Yeah. Brookstone. <laughs> Brookstone. It, it's to be Brokestone. Yeah. It had more, like, r- kind of rich people gifts, like things that you would expect to find in like a Bond villain lair, you know, like yeah. a gold-plated chess set or uh, really unnecessary objects. Robotic golf putters. Yeah, and more techie things. That, like, it's just like the things you put your feet in in the 
Yes. It's like, it was like the as seen on TV aisle, but actually cool and not seen on TV. And ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Kennedy was shot. That whole story. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not. Yeah. Not playing. Where were you when no. Kennedy was shot is just no, nobody would know. Now it's where were you on 9-11. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, I've only noticed because I've watched this movie too many times. Jess's wedding speech was kind of mean. Mm-hmm. If either of us had found either of you remotely attractive, we wouldn't be here right now. It's like kind of a dig. Yeah. Well, to say to the two single people, I don't know. I honestly, I'll tell you who wouldn't like that. Julia Lippman would have held a grudge. I don't, I definitely would. And I don't like mean wedding speeches. I, mean wedding speeches. No place for it. I, I don't, don't think that's mean. Oh, if that was mean. On the joke, I don't like, on the joke. I don't like it's referencing fine. exes in wedding speeches either, or like could have been. So I just feel like let's focus on the couple. But this is like the definition of a meet cute that they were set up by their best friends and then they liked each other. How about this? Just say if, if we had clicked with either one of you, we wouldn't be here right now. Instead, it's like, like I don't think it worked out like you guys planned. We wouldn't be here yeah, right it's now. It's just mean. I would I would have filed that one away. And I don't come think up later. It's, I don't think it's that mean. And I beg all of you listening to uh, pursue specificity and humor in your wedding speeches, please, for the love of God. Julie and I are way more spiteful than you. Well, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm a Put legendary grudge holder. Speech, I Julie's would held to, grudges that I know, I know. even she can't believe she's yeah. still holding. I was discussing some of my grudges this morning. I will not let go. Okay. Oh my God. So one thing we've learned over the years: don't shush Juliet ever <laughs> for any reason, no matter what's going Do on. Do not shush me. Funerals, movie theaters, mm. doesn't matter. Don't shush. Don't her. shush me. I know that one. At the tail end, one more. What's age the worst? The Meg Ryan. The I hate you. You see, that is just like you, Harry. You say things like that, and you make it impossible for me to hate you. And I hate you, Harry. I hate you. I hate you. I really I, hate I think you. that's some bad acting. Oh, I, oh, it's the acting. I like the. Didn't I didn't like the acting. I like the writing. The acting is a lot. Because I hate you, Harry. It's I not, hate you. It's not fair. It's just not great. His speech is so perfect. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. not fair. I mean, like how she's supposed to respond. I don't know. Just, I just kiss him and then the movie. Are, it's just. It's just a really. Uh, you know. Yeah. So what's age the worst for you guys? I just think want to throw out one more. Which yeah. is the way they handled Harry's hairline. Just like very strange. <laughs> I almost think his wigs are worse than any of her various hairstyles. I had that in nitpicks, but I'm happy to discuss it now. It's just like Harry in college is just unconscionable. They uh-huh. had the they had the effects at that point. He looks like he's 40. He actually looked older in the he first He looks scene. older in college yes. than he does in 1989. <laughs> yes. It's so really bad. bad. Like there's so many things you, we know how to do now. Like make the lighting a little darker, have him yeah. wear a baseball hat. Yeah. Yeah. All it's kinds true. of stuff. Didn't, it's a bad job. Didn't make sense at all. Come on, Rob Reiner. Wait, I have one more. Okay. I, and I don't know whether it makes sense in the movie, but it seems really out of date now is that it's just like the total fetishization. I can't say this word. Fetishization? Fetishization. of like, Fetishization. Of, of coupledom. Like basically they all have to be in couples. And there's there would be now if you made this movie, there would be someone being like, well, maybe you just need to be you know, by yourself or maybe, you know, being single is the, there would be the whole like independent person aspect of it. It, They're so obsessed with it. It's like a sports team and it feels slightly like enclosed as a world. I think that's accurate to people in their thirties who aren't in couples. No, no, no. I know. But like, I just feel like if you made the movie now, I think the movie would end differently now. That's Mm -hmm. actually kind of what I think. I think we'd have all types of couples in the couples. Yeah, that also as well. 
And if they didn't, there would be a lot of thing, angry think pieces. There'd be pieces a gay couple about, in this movie. Yeah. There'd be a lot of angry think pieces about how there were only heterosexual couples in the movie. And yeah. No black more, people. Yeah. No black people is a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. We should probably add that to what's age worse. New category just for this podcast. Fantastic. This is a great one. Who is your favorite old married couple out of the six? Mm. I like the couple that worked in the same building and then finally met in Chicago. And he stayed on the elevator a few extra floors. Is that the one where the woman keeps chiming in to being like, yeah. I work same in the building. Yeah. Like same, yeah. Nine extra floors. Yeah. That so, was my favorite as well. Really cute. I also like the uh, old Asian married couple just because I love the ladies' hair. Yes, mm-hmm. they're great. Yeah, yeah. with the, the yeah. very cool white stripe. But I go with nine extra floors. What yeah. do you go with, Amanda? I think the person who jumped into my mind was the, the nine extra floors as well. Okay. There's Ca- a real pitter-patter to their speaking. Yeah, not blasting. sometimes the people don't. Casting what ifs. Albert Brooks turned down the role of Harry. Thank God. I like Albert Brooks. Well, I do, but I felt like broadcast news. Yes, I've already He's already gone down the road to, of, to, I'm a, to separate them. I'm in love with my friend. I don't need think feel like he needed to do that again. He turned it down, though, because he thought the movie was too reminiscent of Woody Allen. Hmm. Oh, Julie's got another grudge. Hmm. It's okay. I love the movie Mother, so it's fine. <laughs> do you know who Rob Reiner's first choice for this movie was? For what role? For Sally. Jane Fonda? No. She would have been too old. She would have been? Yeah. I guess that's right. She's pretty old now. Susan Day. Oh. Hmm. Who was, I think, hot at that point when on L.A. Law. That's a weird one, though. That flustered me. They thought about Elizabeth Perkins. They thought about Elizabeth McGovern. They had Molly Ringwald and she had a scheduling Phew. conflict. Absolutely. That's yeah. a disaster. Dodge it, bullet dodge. Billy Crystal and Molly Ringwald. That feels like like a, a crime is being committed. I, I think that she is a real negative in the John Hughes movie. So I'm glad she's not in this. Wow. The, wow. I'm sorry. This could be the hot. Can you, can we add this to the hottest take? Sure. You got it, man. <laughs> That's a good one. She's a downer. What blanket? 16 Candles in particular. Who wants to hang out with her? It's why no one remembers her birthday. <laughs> Meg Ryan's first leading role would have been Shelby in Steel Magnolias. Oh, wow. But she had to give the part up to be Sally, opening the door for young Julia Roberts. Wow. Incredible. Incredible big hair for big hair moment. Yeah. That's it for casting one ifs. Dion Waiter's a word. There's only one nominee. Carrie Fisher. You want to do a quick Carrie Fisher? You want the floor again? You're right. You're right. I know you're right. I really enjoy that. that She says the same thing every time. I also, um, yeah, what a... Carrie Fisher, what a treasure. Gone too soon. I think that this is probably, what else sticks out for you at post-Star Wars? This, 30 Rock, postcards. I actually got to say, I don't understand why she didn't act more. I I think she was really good, and I think there was a distinct kind of turf that she could have grabbed. I don't know why... Why didn't she just continue to be an A-list actress? I don't know enough about her. I don't know whether she had like drug issues or she just made so much money from Star Wars or what was going on. But I think it I was think she's a, really likable, and I, I don't get it. I think she was a writer. I do think that she kind of had personal ups and downs in her yeah. life. Obviously, like her family was also quite colorful. And Being young and famous in the late seventies didn't turn out well for yeah. really anybody about other than about six people. And I think. This also shows this is a supporting role. She's basically doing character work and she is delightful in it. And, you know, I especially if you're so young and Princess Leia, maybe you don't seek out the giant 
roles anymore. It's like a lot at the of very least, she should have been the lead of a TV show, like some NBC sitcom in the late eighties. No, I, I don't feel like when you're a show, am I overrating her? I, no, I just think it's different for kids who grew up famous with famous Hollywood parents. Yeah. I think you just view the work a little bit differently, and it's almost like the family business rather than like a burning desire to be famous. Where does she rank for for you two with the all time rom com best, best friend. friend group? I think there's only one other person in the conversation. It's Judy Greer. I mean, just legendary best rom-com best friend. Yeah. I mean, you've been carrying her water for years. Judy? Yeah. She's great. Love I like Judy. Heather Burns, too. Yeah. Who? Heather Burns. Less Which fam- one is that? Less famous, but she's um the best friend. She's the, the runner-up in Miss Congeniality. And then she's also in Two Weeks Notice. She's oh Sandra Bullock's number two, yeah. basically. I feel like this is just a different conversation because, as you said, what this movie does so well is develop the friends as well. And right. you know in very short moments who all these people are. And then one of the lessons that other romantic comedies don't learn from When Harry Met Sally is to like actually make the friends into real characters. Yeah. They become sidekicks, and these are people. So That was the Kim Cattrall and Sex and the Cityization of supporting characters yeah. where you just basically ratchet up to 100. Exactly. Whatever whatever character you're doing, do the the 100 version of it. Yeah, I I do think Nora Ethron is good at that. Heather Burns is also in You've Got Mail, and um, oh right, she works at the bookstore. Yeah, and I also think Rosie O'Donnell is a very good friend in Sleepless in Seattle. Mm. that's a good one. I like Rosie O'Donnell. She's I liked her in Beautiful Girls too. Um, She's have, great now and then. Carrie Fisher, <laughs> how many scenes was she in? Probably five. Perfect. Deanne Waiter is a word winner. Half-Fast Internet Research. Efron wanted to call this film How They Met. That makes sense with all the interstitials. They decided no. They went through a bunch of titles, much like how we came up with The Ringer over the course of months and months of agonizing on a whiteboard. You think they had a whiteboard? No, but they started a contest with the crew. Whoever came up with the title won a case of champagne. Wow. Nobody came up with it. The final nominees, Just Friends, Playing Melancholy Baby, Boy Meets Girl, Blue Moon, Words of Love, It Had to Be You, Harry, This is Sally, and How They Met. It Had to Be You is pretty good. I personally would have called it Harry and Sally. I like, I mean, I obviously liking the original is like the most boring answer, but I do like having the names in because it's more memorable. Yeah. Harry and Sally or When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like the title. It's good. In order to get in the lonely mindset of divorced and single Harry, oh God. Crystal stayed by himself in a separate room from the cast and crew what in a, a different hotel while shooting in Manhattan. Great guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's why. <laughs> He's so brave. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, the How We Met interludes were real people. Oh. Not actors. Oh. That makes it even better. Gerald Ford's son, Jack, played Joe. That could have been mm-hmm. in What's Age the Worst because that was a thing in 1989. Now it's I like, who's no Gerald Ford? Idea. Yeah. That guy's really hot. Also. He's attractive. It's really wild. The script initially ended with them be staying friends and not pursuing See? a romantic relationship. That's what I'm saying. Because your hero, Nora Ephron, felt that was the true ending. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I do think it almost never works out. You guys don't want to acknowledge this because you want I Choose Myself to remain the sole province of Kelly Taylor, and that's fine. She's, she but, contains multitudes. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I know, and I, she does, and that's important. But I think, I don't know, I think there could be some— I'm happy they wind up together in this movie. It's very romantic. But Do you know I why think, they ended up together? Why? Because Reiner met his future wife, Michelle, during the filming— and he found the happy ending. He'd stopped believing oh, it and decided oh, okay. they should have a happy right. ending. Well, see, there you go. True love ruins art again. <laughs> I love a happy ending, so I'm happy with it. 
I like it too. I'm just saying, realistically. Yeah, they wouldn't have ended up together. Yeah, they wouldn't have ended up together. I, it's fine. I almost had a Bob Craft joke there, but I pulled, I pulled back. <laughs> realistically, he would have started dating someone and moved on, is my take. He does, which I want to bring up in nitpicks. Yeah. But in the span of three weeks, he finds an anthropologist. Your yeah. basic nightmare. Anyway. I just don't think she forgives him for how he acted yeah. the day after and then immediately dating somebody else. I think she's, I don't think she recovers. That's such a male answer. I don't no, think I he just, figures I think she holds it against him. I don't him. think he figures his shit out. I think he's living in the hotel away from I the I think he fucked it up. Crew. I think it's over. Yeah. Anytime, I'm just looking at my life history of all my friends. Anytime somebody has a fuck up like that, it's really hard to get it's hard it back. To come back. From either side. Sure. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's true. I think that was like a major fuck up. I don't I don't yeah. think she takes him back. I think the time I think she doesn't forgive him and also the timing just never works out. Like I just feel like the sort of like their parallel tracks like diverge at some point. Mm-hmm. I think she wakes up on New Year's Day and she says to herself, I got caught up. I didn't have a date on New Year's Eve. Harry showed up. That was stupid. Fuck this guy. I and can't trust him. Yeah. What am I doing? And then she's out. Spun into a 2004 play. Do you know who the stars were? No. Luke Perry and Allison Hannigan. Oh, wow. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Luke. That's a weird cast. Very weird. Also, he's like a completely different energy than Billy Crystal. <laughs> did you know that Reiner and Crystal met when they played best friends at all in the family? I didn't know that. Did you know that Carrie Fisher knew Reiner because she was best friends with Penny Marshall? No. Mm, that makes sense now that you say it. Did you know that Harry and Sally's final interview at the end of the film was completely improvised? I didn't. It's really, really good. It's in good. the deleted scenes. It's really good. Yeah. They filmed like 10 minutes of it. That's awesome. Right, the part go. with the the sauce on the side. Yeah. It's just like, that's really good. God bless them. We had this really, really wonderful wedding. It was, it really was a It was great. We had this enormous uh, coconut cake. Huge coconut cake with the the tears, and there was this this very rich chocolate sauce on the side. Right, because not everybody likes it on the cake because it makes it very soggy. Particularly the coconut soaks up a lot of that stuff, so you really, it's important to keep it on the side. Right. It had to be Apex Mountain. I think. Billy Crystal. I was going to go Rob City Slickers next year. I don't know. I don't think so with Billy Crystal. I think it launches him to a next. I think level. City Slickers in the Oscars, he's at a higher yeah, level. Yeah, I agree. Meg Ryan, definitely not. No. no. Meg Ryan, for how I felt like she ruled the 90s, man, she has a lot of bad movies in there. A lot of flame Batting average, a lot lower than I remembered. You've got mail, sort of like a bailout for her. It's basically four movies. I don't know, five if you like IQ. Mm-hmm, I do like I was going to say, please count IQ. Okay. So if you count IQ five. I forgot that she voiced Anastasia. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to count that as well. You know where I stand on Proof of Life, so I count that. Sure. <laughs> we all know movie. where you stand on that one. There's rewatchables on Proof of Life, okay. in case you're listening right now. <laughs> Rob Reiner? I'm going to go yes on Rob Reiner. I mean, he's got so many hits, though, but like... I'm going to go no, and here's why. Okay. Because two years later, he has Misery and Seinfeld Castle Rock blowing up. Right. right. Okay, so it's, it's the, at another okay. level. I accept that. Nobody, I couldn't think of anybody else. They, unless you want to have the, was this New York's Apex Mountain? Hmm. <laughs> I, can't, I can't rule it out. 1989? I, as I told you yesterday, Bill, this movie makes me wish I was born 30 years earlier, specifically to live in this version of New York, specifically. Because you could say early 90s, Seinfeld, New York, or mm-hmm. Friends, Central Perk. No, definitely I guess not. maybe New York as a pop culture location. 
I would still go 70s. I enjoy 70s New York. Yeah, the most, I think but. you have to do 70s. I, there's something about to me about the gritty 80s with like just like kind of right before they start like tamping down on the crime. That is just really like appealing to me in a sick way. The Joey Pants Award for the best that guy in this movie. I think it's Bruno Kirby, right? Yeah, you know, I didn't want to admit it to myself, and it is. I mean, he played young Clemenza in Godfather 2, and he played this character, which was mm-hmm. like an, another iconic character. But I think people 30 years later just know him as the dude who is Billy Crystal's friend in this movie yeah. and probably don't even know what his name is. Yeah, I think that's right. He's, he's uh, gone. He died. Carrie Fisher died. Um, Nora Ephron died. Yeah. Somebody else died. Four people died from this movie. The Saul Rubinick They Knew Overacting Award. Is there any overacting in this movie? I mean, are you going to nominate Meg Ryan for this? For the last scene? You have, you're making a look at a face right now, and I know what that face is. No, it's not that scene, but I am going to nominate Meg Ryan. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I can't believe. She's really, the whole, I know Juliet loves it, but. When she finds out Joe's engaged and invites Harry's over and the crying. And- She's really floppy. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the phone thinking, I'm over him. I really am over him. I can't believe I was ever remotely interested in any of that. <laughs> and then he said, I have some news. <laughs> She's really weird. That's a weird performance. Bathroom- and that seems too long. The bathrobe is a problem. I just feel like that's a lot of it. Dropping should- the Kleenex. Yeah, she's messy in that. But like, is that her fault? No, I just don't like the performance. I, I think it's kind of over the top. I would have had her do a couple more takes and really try to get the tone of. Yeah, it's stuff. a lot of different tones. The Like the scene right after they have sex compared with the scene when she's in the kitchen versus offering water. She's all over the place. Yeah, sure. I actually think that character is a little inconsistent. I, it's like there are certain things where like that's so Sally, like with at the end when they're talking about the cake and the ordering. But there's a couple other moments where like I was actually kind of surprised that she like lost herself in the singing when they do the karaoke. And I actually think that like her character is is just like sometimes I'm like, is that actually something she would do? Like does that actually make sense? Well, the sense? fake orgasms, mm-hmm. the yeah, mo- number too. one scene. Yeah. That's kind of against what her character yeah, is. Yeah, like Miss mm-hmm. Hospital Corner is not also doing the fake orgasm. Yeah. She did a great job with her chin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always like lifting her head up. Picking nits. We're going to pick some nits. Harry in college looks way too old. We covered that. This is a great one. This came from my wife last night watching. She drops off Harry in 1977 at a really weird location, and he's got all his stuff. Where the hell did she drop him off? Washington Square Park, right? I assumed he was like going to a like NYU housing for the summer yeah. or something like that. Okay. but And he's also there at the end of the movie, which yeah. is a problem because then he has to run to what I assume is the Upper West Side. She basically makes sense. drops him off at a park with all the stuff. Yeah. I don't think it's that weird. He doesn't have that much stuff. It's pretty weird. Okay. Um, I thought it was weird. Related to that, though, I I have driven from New York to Chicago. It does not take 18 hours. I don't know if like you, can, you had to go slower on the roads in the 70s, but it didn't take me 18 hours. How long was it? Like 12 or 13. Yeah. Well, they did stop. We stopped. Why didn't we see Harry and Sally ever working at a job and did it matter? I was wondering about this. What was Sally's job? We still, she was a reporter, but for who and what did she do? She's a journalist. Okay, what did she write? We don't know. know. They'd have like one shot of her like typing on an old, old old-timey computer, which I only noticed last night because I was like, why don't they don't talk about their jobs at all? Harry's a political consultant. Yeah, what did that mean? I mean, that's believable to me. Yes, but like for who, for what? They don't talk about it. 
That's ages really all. well, I think. I think that's like similar to to like people who are consulting. They could have stuck in a Dukakis. Yeah, this Dukakis guy, I think it's going to work know. out. I feel like especially in New York, people are talking about their jobs and how yeah. important they are all the time. Now that like just maybe the current moment and maybe in the 80s, people had lives. Consulting a lot of it is confidential though because you go from like client to client. I actually think that that makes sense. You could have thrown in one scene where they're getting like a coffee or something. After Talk work about how, they, how much they hate their jobs or something. Yeah. Or like, sort of like some context. Or a stressful moment at work or something. It really seems like their lives operate and totally independently of their mm-hmm. jobs, which is maybe just like the 80s. Sally is a reporter. It's just not one of the top hundred jobs I would have picked for her after that, watching this movie. That's a great line when he's like, so you can write about other people's lives. That's a really yeah, good, that's one. good one. Yeah, that's a why would Harry ever break up with Aunt Emily? I thought she was perfect. Oh, the pie maker? The, the, the dessert lady. She had her own business. She was great looking. What happened? We, I don't know. Harry's just... Come on, Harry. Harry just had his together. eyes on Sally. That, Aunt Emily, I thought that was a great catch. He also could have been dumb. She's much younger. Yeah, she has a job. She makes a lot of pies. Yeah, she was like, why, do you have a job? You're a consultant? Right. What does that mean? What yeah. is that? Yeah. Why was Harry that freaked out after sex with Sally? Because he wants to be able to leave in the morning and not have to talk to them again and say he's got an early right. squash game. Somewhere and he between do 30 that. seconds all night is your problem. You're making a face like you don't want to tell us the truth. I don't know. That, that scene didn't sit totally right with me because they were so close. I think I think he would have known what, what that would have done to her if, if he just like fled out of there. I'm surprised there's less drinking in this movie. I feel like that was like one thing that's missing from that scene where like he would like commiserate with her for a little bit longer and like he would be, they would like be drinking whiskey or they something. They should have been drinking. And then it would have made a little bit more sense because then it, then it would be more of a mistake. It's, it's a weak spot, but I've only noticed it after the 75th time I watched this movie. We There is a possibility that maybe the sex wasn't that great and that yeah. he was mm-hmm. disappointed. And they said afterwards, they both said it was fine. Yeah. So, who knows. This is a great one. Why did Marie and Jess have two phones, one on each side of their bed, with two different phone lines? They seem like the kind of people who then also probably have separate bank accounts, too. Yeah. Do you know anybody that has two different phone lines on each side of their bed? You mean landlines? La- two landlines no. next to their no, beds. No, but like we, we have separate phones on separate sides of I've our never bed heard in my of house two now. Two landlines? Can we put in a second landline? Uh, Jess wants one next to his side of the bed. That's it's like, ridiculous. It's like more common for like if you have a kid or that like you get your kid their own phone line or something like that. I think also if you're a doctor, my my father-in-law is a doctor and was like explaining what it was like to be on call in the Neither 80s and 90s. Well, that's a good point. But I, I mean, maybe he's on call as a journalist. I don't know. Maybe there's like a work phone and a personal phone. I, she does say, Carrie Fisher says, like as she's answering the phone, no, it's mine. So they are, they, yeah. there's like delineation between the, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to give up their numbers. This is a last one I have. How did we not get Harry's best man speech? That seems like the easiest 90 seconds ever for this movie, Billy Crystal giving a best man speech. It what was, a miss. It was weird that the only speech you got was from Jess. That's not really how weddings go. It's not like the groom's speech is the centerpiece of the wedding. I would have I would have thrown a scene where he was giving a really funny best man speech and Sally was trying not to like it, but it was she was kind of remembering like how funny he was. Yeah. I was just thinking, I rewatched part of Heartburn recently, which yeah. was written by Nora Ephron, and it starts with, a wedding. It starts with the wedding between Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. And it's like, it's second wedding, but it's in a hotel. 
And it is very similar to the wedding depicted in When Harry Met Sally, just kind of in the feel and the, yeah. it's much lower five than our current wedding moment. So it, maybe the speeches were not as big a deal in the in this type of wedding maybe. in the 80s. That was kind of what I assumed. Any other nitpicks? I have a few. Why didn't Marie and Jess get to meet Harry and Sally sooner? That's, yes. What? How do none of these people know each other? Like, do they really only hang out in isolation? Also, if Sally and Jess are both journalists, then yeah. they definitely know each other. Yes. And they wrote for New York Magazine. Yes, exactly. Then they Did, definitely know each other. That yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Another one, you know, there's in one of the montage scenes, she's like picking out the tomatoes from the hot food bar in a bodega. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's using the same tongs. Also, so, yeah, someone as picky as Sally would absolutely never do that. That's just a bacteria bar. That's disgusting. And she would never, ever do that. Yeah. But then she uses the tomato tongs to go to yeah. like the next thing or whatever. That is a nitpick from somebody who's seen this movie 500 times. <laughs> Sally would never use the tongs. Juliet noticed that on the 218th time she had some salad bar I'm also personally disgusted by the hot food bar at like bodegas and and, uh, grocery stores. I think Mm -hmm. we all are. I have two more. Okay. The dating timelines in this movie are just absolutely unacceptable. So Joe is saying I love you to Meg Ryan one month after they started dating. Mm. Did, Did things just move faster in the 80s? Probably. But like a month? Yeah. I would have loved to have seen the Spanish tile in which they were not having sex. I know. You know what? Because she keeps the apartment. And last night I was looking and the way they shoot the apartment is like Billy Crystal is standing directly in front of the opening to the kitchen the entire time. So you can't see the tile because I assume the Spanish tile was not there. But they thought about that and I appreciate it. Also, when they have sex and then the wedding is three weeks later. And somehow in the middle, Harry has start, managed to date an anthropologist. Mm-hmm. I, I, I he feel stayed like he probably, busy, that Harry. I feel like he probably knew her already, and she just got promoted into wedding date. But, like, how often are people going on dates? This is the other thing. Like, what is a normal beginning of relationship dating timeline? It's, like, once a week. So, at max, he's been on three dates with this woman. Do we count that as dating? For Harry, maybe. I guess if Joe is saying, I love you after a month, I'm just saying... <laughs> Maybe things are very different here, but it seems like people— There was—you did bring people to dates sooner to weddings and stuff like that than I think maybe people do now. Okay. Now it's, I feel like, Craig, bigger deal if you bring a date to a wedding? Yes. In the 80s and 90s, not as as big of a deal. Okay. Yeah, it really wasn't. People come and go. Yeah, now it's like—feels like you're making some sort of statement. I forgot to do this in What Stage the Best. That scene when— the I Spy family. Yeah. When uh, uh, when they're hanging out and she's they're they're just having like a real life talk. I like, and I think one of the reasons this movie works so well is it has scenes like that that have real meat to them and are really well written. And then the person's delivering it almost like it's like a play. Yeah. Because I feel like now when they make rom-coms, they're doing that scene and there's some snazzy Blink-182 retro song. Mm-hmm. And then it, like, moves. And it's it's just, everything's trying to move so fast now. This movie actually, like, breathes a couple times, which I think is instructive. That kind of reminds me. Does that make me, sense? Yeah. And to your point, that kind of reminds me of Fleabag. And why I think it's also, like, really successful is it's the same kind of, like, really defined scene-to-scene um, and kind of like chatty conversation about like how you're feeling reminiscent of theater. But then some meat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the Kristen Scott Thomas episode. Yeah. yeah. Where they're at the bar for like 10 minutes. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. That it was like, so moving. That was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. But it it earned the ability to take a breath and do that. And this movie does that. And I just, I think the rom-coms now, 
you know, now Netflix is bringing them back, but it's the same recipe. But they're moving really fast like yeah, that. Yeah, they're also— They're like music videos. This movie, they're just—is talking. It's two people talking yeah. the whole time, and they talk a lot, and it's great. But now, especially on Netflix, you can't just have two people talking because then people will look at their phones or go do something else. You have to do something shiny to keep people's attention. So suddenly, like, Keanu Reeves Craig's is Craig's generation. Yeah. It's your fault, Why Craig. can't you just listen to people Come talk? On, Craig. Also, to, to that point— the What are you talking about? All we do is DM each other. We're talking all the time. That's true. And we listen seven. to podcasts. That doesn't count. Um, <laughs> the, it doesn't. <laughs> Craig's, Craig watched this movie at 1.5 speed. <laughs> um, to that point, Amanda, rom Netflix rom-coms have really aggressive pop music soundtracks yep. yes. to like keep you in it. And this movie like lets the movie speak for itself. And the music is so wonderful because it's like a true accompaniment. It's a true score. Mm-hmm. And it's not like— But there's I'm whole sections you, with no music. Yeah. yeah. They would never so do good. that now. Uh, never. That's why like, it's a great movie for uh, 3 in the morning because it's quiet. I actually feel like this might have changed with A Lot Like Love with Amanda Pete and Ashton Kutcher, which is a really good movie. No, oh, I heard that Chicago song in the car the other day and thought of you. Yeah. yeah. But that's that movie's just a soundtrack Ooh, with some dialogue. Yeah. And then that, and that just became what rom-coms are now. It's yeah. the, so- mm-hmm. the soundtrack is almost more important than the actual script. And the stuff people are saying to each other, I feel like. It's definitely I sound like an old guy now. It's definitely a way for a screenwriter now to, like, tell you who they are. Like, this is the music I listen to, where instead of, like, allowing the movie to do that work. Yeah. I'm with you. Best quote. There's, like, too many to listen to. I just want to give a couple shout-outs, and then okay. you, you okay. can feel free to jump in. Um, well, that symptom is fucking my wife. It's just great. Marriages don't break up on account of infidelity. It's just a symptom that something else is wrong. Really? Well, that symptom is fucking my wife. <laughs> it's such a great <laughs> to fuck with the wave. It's, really it's good. so good. Uh, thin, pretty, big tits. Your basic nightmare yes. is just such a good Carrie Fisher led. Oh, but baby fish mouth is sweeping the nation. Well, I just want it the way I want it. Really? When good. she's talking mm-hmm. about her ordering, is is great. And then his whole speech at the end. Mm-hmm. Which I thought about delivering to Juliet, but I'm not going to. Oh, yeah. I'd probably cry. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. I do love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. <laughs> so beautiful. That is a great speech, Crystal though. Your, it's, it's the best. It's good. It's so good. Um, any other just, like, standout, have-to-be-mentioned quotes? I mean, I said this before, but Carrie Fisher's line when she's parroting Jess's article and she says, "I, I people, yeah, restaurants are to people in the '80s, what theater were to people in the mm-hmm. '60s." I, I read that is like one of my absolute favorite movie moments. It's just so good. There's also a, just a great kicker to that joke, which is, I also wrote "Pesto is the quiche of the '80s." Yes, <laughs> so <laughs> good. It's classic Nora <laughs> So good. Um, I also really like. It's too bad because you were the only person I knew in New York. Yeah. And they bring it back at the end yeah. in that like montage when he's realizing that she's always been the one. It's very sweet. Could this movie have been remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? So initially I was violently opposed. And then I was thinking, if you remade it, but you made it with people from Craig's generation, 
They'd be DMing the whole time. Yeah. Boring. You would have to say the DMs out loud, Craig. Do you think you could do that? Say something out loud? Yeah. To a significant other? Just people reading phones? (laughs) I don't think so. A lot of texting. Yeah, I I would say no, but I did did think about how it would work for 10 seconds. I feel like if Netflix dropped it and it was called When Harry Met Sally and it was a 10-episode show, we would all at least watch the first episode. Well, couldn't you do it? Couldn't it be a period piece? I don't think you could do it in the present day, like set in 2019 and have it have the same effect because, as Craig pointed out, it's mostly just texting. But if you did a 90s version of it or like a, I don't know. They'd have to be stuck together. Like if it was two people abroad together, they didn't know anybody in the country, then they wouldn't be texting because they're together 24-7. Okay. Craig. A lot of of wisdom from this guy. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Unanswerable questions. My first one we talked about a little bit. Is this movie better if they never get together? At the end, they never stay together. I don't want to change this movie, so I'm. I yeah, don't know. I don't think so. I, I like that they ended up together. Me too. I do the too. final I scene just, of them talking about their wedding is so amazing. Yeah, and the coconut is just great. I actually yeah. think it gives more weight and context to the old people interviews that they become one of the old people. Of at the course, end. yeah. yeah. I, I, think think I don't know that. how that doesn't work. I think otherwise. you have to cut those if they don't end up together. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Um, we covered how much of this movie rip off Annie Hall. Did we officially do what should the title have been? Yeah. Okay. We yeah. did in half-assed internet research. And we things. didn't do this. How far did Harry have to run at the end? I actually figured this out. Oh, you, you yeah, there's some it? there was some internet research okay. on this. Okay, let's hear it. Where is the party? I so assume- he lived near Washington Square Park. Mm-hmm. The New Year's Eve party was at the Puck Building on 295 West oh. Lafayette Street. Oh, that's close. That's uh, like three quarters a of a mile. Half a mile away yeah. via Bleecker Street. If Harry ran five miles an hour, he would have a six-minute run before arriving to the party. Okay. That's age well, too, because the puck building is back to being condos. Yeah. So No, no, no longer uh, business space. Wasn't there an REI in it for a while? Yeah. Yeah. So he's appropriately sweaty, but not too sweaty. That makes sense, yeah. I definitely thought he had to run uptown. Me too. And I was like, this makes no sense. Last unanswerable question. Does Seinfeld happen without this movie? Mm. So Mark Harris posited this question. Our old teammate Mark Harris and— uh, and Grantland in 2014, because we did a rom-com week, and he wrote about When Harry Met Sally, and he talked about this same summer, Brandon Tartikoff greenlit the Seinfeld Chronicles, and it was just one episode, and they ran it, and they buried it. And then this movie came out, and it did well. And then he ordered four more in 1990, which I'm proud to say one of the only people that watched it when it came on. That This movie doing well, you could argue, was the forefather for Seinfeld. Interesting. People in New York, people talking about stuff, weird right. theories, the friendships. Specific references. Rob Diners. Reiner. Yeah. Castle Rock. Yeah. It's interesting. But it is interesting. Don't know if it's true, but it's it's an interesting link. The 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 friend that he has that they never they dated initially, then they broke up, Elaine and Jerry, and then they right. just stayed friends. Um I, I buy it. Yeah. No, no, no. I think that's no, sorry. Whatever. whatever. Sorry Sarah for bringing it up. I read that article on Grantland.com <laughs> when we did Romcom Week, which I was in charge of, Bill. We had one of our best podcasts ever, me you and Wesley. It's on YouTube. People can check it out. What did we what was it? My best friend's wedding or no? It was a bunch it of It was them? just rom-coms. It was when you first declared your true love for Michelle Pfeiffer. We had like a oh, good wow. 15 minutes yeah. on the fabulous Baker I think Boys. I was bright red for like seven yes. straight minutes. Yeah. So. That was a really, really fun yeah. podcast. It's on YouTube. Check it out. Look, the heart wants what the heart wants. It's so true. She knows how I feel. Who won the movie? Oh. 
I am going Billy Crystal because he gets to give the final speech. And it's just like such an incredible rom-com moment. I definitely think you can make the case for Nora Ephron as well, just, mm-hmm. just from the writing altogether. But I think ultimately Billy Crystal's final scene and then the kind of like the pieces that aren't just him and Meg Ryan, the best ones are because of Billy Crystal. I so badly want to give it to Nora Ephron, but I actually feel like Billy Crystal... I don't know who else could have played this part and the little like pieces of stand up is what makes it different and what makes it not a normal rom-com and there's so much of him in it. And, but the thing is, I really like Meg Ryan too. I almost don't want to reward one without the other. That's why I was thinking Nora Ephron's like the easier yeah. way out. I mean, I'm obviously going with Nora Ephron. I figured. Just because this establishes, you know, Harper and sure. success and then this establishes her as a force and then you get sleepless in Seattle and you get, you've got mail. So really we're all winners. Here's the thing with the who won the movie, though. I don't feel like she got the credit for it in the time. And part of the who wins the movie okay. is like— Oh, is that it's contemporaneous? For I don't know. It's like— You made this up, so you tell us. Well, it's like who won the movie. I don't know if like most people would think Nora Ephron won the movie. But I, I think like if you look at what happened with rom-coms and you really like thought mm-hmm. about it seriously and, and you say she created this structure that then became a dominant movie structure for 30 years and it's still the best version of it, she probably won. Yeah, I'm gonna say her. Great, welcome. to Only because I don't want to. I don't want to diss Meg Ryan because I really do feel like she was awesome in this movie. She was. She I was. love Billy Crystal, and I feel like he's a little more important to it. But I think I, I, it's hard for me to separate them. Okay. If it's him and Susan Day, the movie doesn't work. No, it's true. You know? I mean, we when we did the Notebook, did we declare McAdams and Gosling joint winners, or did we I say McAdams? Adams. Yeah. Craig, what did we say? But we thanks for it, listening. Craig. By the way, yeah. the, I was checking my notes. We're not so allowed to have out. joint winners in the rewatch. Well, but no, but I think what we what we were trying to talk about is like the, that the chemistry was actually the winner, and then that movie well, does not work without yeah. that particular that blend of two people. And it's like so the chemistry is the winner, and it's a similar thing here that it doesn't work without those, or it's a very different movie without those two people. I feel honestly that this movie because the script is so good, like. It wouldn't be the same movie, but you could find pairs that work because you've got the Nora Ephron um, words to work from, which is why, again, why now, I'm going Now Nora I'm Efron. wavering. Now I'm leaning back toward Crystal. Oh, boy. All right. I, I just think just taken the— I just think the combo of— Because I don't know how much Crystal wrote. Like, there's a possibility, like, he came up with, like, 30% of the content in the movie. I have no idea. Even if he didn't write these scenes, I think the combo of the batting cages, the Giants game— the surrogate, the fringe on top. The museum. The museum. Like, I just think that he is- Sharper so, image. I just think that he, he does a really good job selling some of the scenes in a way that, like, sets Meg Ryan up to also be great. He's also an mm-hmm. asshole, but I like him the whole time, which is the hardest thing to do in a movie. He also was, he's like- He's not just, an anti-hero, but he's he's really not somebody we should like, but we prickish, like him. yeah. Well, they're both—they both have problems, and they yeah. kind of learn through the other to, to work through them. Do you think they're still married? Yes. Mm-hmm. You do? I do. Yeah. I do. You think she's sitting at Clipper games with them? Probably. Probably. She's like, just, you know. I think she probably like brings down the Clorox wipe and wipes everything down and then sits and, yeah, yeah gives. And then, like, you can just see her doing that, can't you? Doesn't want to share then, like, popcorn. Perches, and then perches on the side of the seat and, you know, makes weird comments. She hates anti-vaxxers just with her vengeance. <laughs> she's so mad at Jessica Biel right so now. So mad. My last question. If they did a sequel to this movie with Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan right now, what would be your reaction? I would like for them to be the old couple, but like all the interstitials and it's about like 
their grandkids or something like that. That's how I would play it. I mean, my initial reaction was like, oh, my God, yes. And then I know what happens when you get things that you want, especially like remakes and reboots. And it's just it's hard without Nora Ephron because it wouldn't be the same movie. Who would who would write it? I think it would be a 35th wedding anniversary for them. And their kids are coming and it's more like they're the patriarch, matriarch of the family. And it's, you'd really have to write the kids really well and make that the wrong So it's like the family stone? It's almost like Father father of the Bride crossed with, what was that movie with Angelina Jolie and the bunch of the kids that were related and you didn't realize that John Stewart was in it. You didn't realize it until the end. Playing by heart? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Oh, Julia, Julia just perked up. No? I don't know. I'm just thinking it through. You get Harry and Sally 35 years later, but now you have their whole family. And they have like four kids. I don't like care about their family. Kids. I want to know about them. This well, then about we them. find out about them in the movie. For some reason, I just feel like if we're doing a remake of this movie, Natalie Portman should play the Sally character. Oh, brother. But that's a remake. Yeah. Talking, I don't Let know. me offer you this as a, as a closing carrot. Nancy Myers. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about when Harry met Sally too, and it's with Harry and Sally right now. (sighs) No, no, I don't accept. You wouldn't go. No, I would go, but I'm not like you. You you would go in a heartbeat. I just said I would go, but I don't want. I don't want it. No, you can't do that because Nancy Myers is California specific. And and the Hamptons and the Hamptons. That's true. I was saying, but that's in, like an extension. We're setting it in L.A. They live in Brentwood now. No, but the, New York is such an essential part of this movie. I hate being like, oh, New York is a fifth what character. If Meg or whatever, Ryan but became, in this case, it is. What if Meg Ryan became a screenwriter? Okay, and was a Nora Ephron proxy. Um, well, somebody, I, somebody optioned like, one of her you're movies. All my buttons right For now. The same this reason really I refuse to watch the deleted scenes. I just can't participate in this thought experiment. <laughs> somebody optioned one of her New York Magazine right, stories. Okay, so they moved to California. They moved to California. Where did they live in California? Harry got heavily involved with the Clinton campaign. Oh, which and then one? Now Harry's on TV. He's like, he's, well, no, I hate no. No, he's like George Stephanopoulos. What if he's Larry King? Yeah, he's got his own LA. show. Okay. He's like Charlie he Rose, a non-Me Too Charlie Rose. He's doing like long interviews and he's on some political thing. Yeah, he's respectable. He's okay. like, a, he's a political pundit. Okay. So they're based and in then, LA. And then Meg Ryan is basically, or Sally is basically a screenwriter. Live in LA. It's just ridiculous. They, they live not, in Brentwood. They would not live in LA. Pasadena? There's not a single car ride in this movie. They would not live in LA. Pasadena? No. Absolutely not. You're just out completely and the thought of them. <laughs> no, they don't There move. is a car ride in this movie. They drive from Chicago to New York. Outside of that, once they get to New York, there's they no more cars. They have all the time. They don't get in them, though. What makes you think that they would never leave New York from this movie? They both arrive and they're only in New York for 12 years. It's not like they're like New Yorkers. I just feel like, like Amanda said, like annoying or not, it's like this is like a New York movie. Maybe that's part of the wrinkle, though. Then becomes a Brentwood it. movie. Why are you so sad on Brentwood? I don't know. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking. Can we just move to the Palisades a little bit nicer? I'm my Palisades, heart to this. great Palisades. I'm I'm thinking about it. You're thinking about it. Yeah. Natalie Portman is their oldest daughter. No, she's going through a divorce. I don't want Natalie Portman in this. With all respect to Natalie Portman, it's not for me. Um, who do you want in it? Who would be their children? Who are some of your favorites? I still think I just feel like I could see Natalie Portman being difficult. Yeah, quote unquote difficult. Oh, on the set. No, like as as like Sally's daughter. I'm a little like concerned I'm a, I'm a vegan. Like this I don't is, eat this. This is like the setup of the Family Stone, and you're casting Natalie Portman as the Sarah Jessica Parker character, no. and that's not a road that I want to go down. Mm. The problem is nobody remembers the Family Stone. It was terrible. 
I liked it. It's on Delta a lot now, and I watch it from time to Dermot time. Daryl Roney. I'm in. Yeah. Oh, that's you guys. Yeah, Daryl Can we, We'll put Dermot in this. He's Harry's younger brother. He lives in the guest house. Oh, wow, that's... I don't see a world in which this movie is working for me. I'm sorry. Okay, well, we'll find out when it gets okay. made. Okay. When, when Harry Metz, Metz Alley 2 is in production. When Harry's still with Sally. <laughs> when Harry's still with Sally? Yeah. What if they got divorced and got back together? No, they wouldn't do that. You know, you think they're together for life. Why life? are you trying to torture me? I don't understand. I just, I think- your reaction to all of this is so, you honestly look like you're in a dentist chair. I think that they, no, they wouldn't divorce and get back together because they've already gone through all the dumb stuff. And they're fairly practical people, especially Sally. Thanks to Voodoo, a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy. When Harry Met Sally 2 is not one of them. Over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad support on demand service. Enjoy everything from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films without subscriptions or contracts. You can watch Poetic Justice is on there right now. Fascinating rewatch. Uh, head to voodoo.com slash rewatchables to sign up and start watching today. VUDU.com slash rewatchables. Don't forget to listen to Ringer Dish, our new celebrity culture podcast that features jam session and a lot of good stuff and you can subscribe there and hear Julia and Amanda. Julia and Amanda, thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. You heathen. 